This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Get the Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflow and Michael Sidgwick here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, oh! AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, more roundtable discussions like this one, and a roundup of the week complete with a big quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick and Jets, we are gathered here today to talk a decade of Raw's three-hour era. This Saturday marks 10 years since Raw 1000. And, well, there's a lot to talk about. Let's start, first of all, with your memories of of 10 years ago, and, and then we'll expand wider into the world of... Monday Night Raw! Oh, God! I made that, he went through me. Give me that button. When you said 10 years, like the weary look across the desk between me and Cedric across you there, because you just you just think that's a lot of your life, like 37 years old, right? That's like coming up around a quarter of my life I spent watching Monday Night Raw in the three-hour era alone, and that's discounting loads of bad Raws in the two-hour era and pretty, yeah. rubbish, pretty rubbish ones in the one-hour era and all the rest of it. It's just 2012 was the last full year before I became a dad, right? So from 2013 onwards, I've been, in some form or other, tired. Relentlessly <laughs> tired. That's right. There's loads of positive. There's a million podcasts where you can find people talking about how great the kids are, so I'll be the other side of that. In fact, this one might be somebody talking about how the greatest kids are. Cedric's a really good dad. I, on the <laughs> other hand, am always really tired. And yet, every now and then, I think to myself, well, it could be worse. I could have been somebody in attendance for most of the three-hour roles. I could have been one of those people that you always see that have got those really good seats to the worst show. Like, I can't decide if that's a good thing or not. How have they got the money? How have they got the time? How have they arranged the travel? How have they made so many terrible choices? <laughs> like, it j- just, when we watch it for reviews and, you know, the the secret's out, like, it's on one and a half or two times speed. Mm-hmm. It's off for me. Fitting, oh, yeah, you I have really, to remind myself yeah. how boring it is 
every single week to give an accurate perspective on how boring it is. I will never, unlike Adam Wilborn, be tricked into thinking that was really good fast pace. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it wasn't. That's no, what it wasn't. Is. no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I know this. I know this for a fact. My brain, though, has gotten so used to the double speed that I now watch it thinking, well, I know this is still a slow match. So then sometimes, because I pod fast as well, so I'll listen to podcasts on 1.5 speed typically. So then sometimes when I'm watching a WWE show at regular speed, I'm like, Christ, this is slower than normal. <laughs> like, this is a really, at least turn it up to raw pace, and then I remember why, yeah. why it is raw so quick. It's just, it's not reflective of, it's a bit like the ruthless aggression thing, which we've unpicked and pulled apart as being a nonsense thing. The three-hour era, the three-hour period that Raw's existed, isn't that different from the 10 years that came before it, going back to 2002. It didn't represent any kind of philosophical shift. It got worse only in there was more of it. You know, there, yeah. it, that's the only, there was one more hour of the quite bad show. It didn't drive a creative decline. It didn't exhaust the writers anymore. It didn't, it made WWE a ton more money because the stage was already set. The wrestlers were already in the building. You know, like the extra commercial breaks in that third hour has made up a fortune for almost no outlet. It's not that different from when they moved in your house from two hours to three. Good shows are good because they're good. Not because of the runtime. Wrestle Kingdom, well-booked and brilliant, went, what, five, six hours at its peak? Mm. And was typically fantastic. Mm. There have been some half-decent long WrestleManias here and there. It's never been about that third hour. It was a bad show that got, like, that remained bad, but it got longer. <laughs> On a nicer note, mm. Raw 1000 itself was wonderful. <laughs> it was maybe series finale Style, wonderful. I know a lot of people think series finale of WWE for like the ultimate bitter lapsed. I'll still keep up with it to bury it on Twitter, but I don't really give a toss. I think a lot of people consider WrestleMania 30, the series finale, like they were dragged, kicking and screaming into giving something you marks like just so you literally literally shut up Mm -hmm. like children and not have a temper tantrum during the mooted uh, Batista versus Randy Orton main event. That was literally the only reason why we got it. It was great. It was great fan service. Um, and then immediately after, pretty much, everyone's all right, okay, they're not going to push Cesario, uh, Cesario, Cesaro. Daniel Bryan's, like, injured. Uh, they're going with Roman, obviously. Oh, they're going with the next John Cena. Uh, Raw 1000 was great. You had the um, sort of inspired quasi-WrestleMania Seventeen gimmick battle royale gag of like the grown up hand, this sort of like um, self referencing meta absurd visual image of that's a really affectionate nod to a stupid past, and it's almost reassuring that they know that they can be stupid on occasion because you had Brock Lesnar's introduction, uh, sorry his re debut, you had Daniel Bryan and CM Punk at a time when it was legitimately worthwhile projecting your desire onto management just in case it would listen. Because that had no other stars. They were in the ring with the Rock, the two of them, weren't they? They were in the ring with the Rock. It It was kind of like Jesus Christ. Well, maybe something's happening here. Like Brock Lesnar and Punk and Brian were sort of redefining, redefining the turgid, methodical WWE ring style, um, slowly but surely, in very different ways. So it felt like things were expanding stylistically, and the format of you're gonna have a match. Next, was still in play. Scripted promos were still in play. But at the time, this didn't really feel like uh, as much of a contrived disgrace. No one ever liked it. Well, obviously, some idiots do. But no one who has got good taste ever liked the scripted promo. But it's just something you had learned to live with. Mm. Um, 2012, I thought, was a good year for WWE. And it promised actual change that wasn't total pipe dream stuff. The event itself... 
you know, he still had Damien Sandow getting his ass kicked by <laughs> DX, yeah. which was absolutely nonsensical. But notably, that was the first time that X-Pac and the Outlaws had been invited back in. Yeah. So there was something actually quite sweet about, oh, finally, like, all of the DX gang are together. Yeah. With the exception of China, obviously, because Triple H wouldn't want his kids Googling it. But, like, the the idea, there was a, some, of, again, like the hand, a certain affection being paid when it wasn't a tired, oh, bloody hell, we're doing another reunion for a ratings grab style yeah. affection. Like, that's the thing. Everything else is a diminished return of Raw 1000, which itself was a genuinely magical show. Um, the Heath Slater stuff with Sid and... Oh, yeah. Who else was it? Leader in the Leader, end. Yeah. Vader was Vader mm-hmm. there? Acolytes, I think, have done Acolytes, it. Acolytes, yeah. and it was before the era where we love talking about this, where just for example, like Tanka, um, Juice, and um, Gillian Hall, and, um, you know, Shavel Guerrero, just <laughs> hanging around backstage. It's like, we, at various times, have been contracted by this company. Greg Valentine was there in the same scene, and they're just having a party with no music. Al Snow got head out again. They're like, oh, it's head. I remember never, ever interacting with that gimmick. <laughs> the, the nostalgia worked. The angles were big time. Yeah. Heel turns, like, all around the picture. It was just, it felt like it was going to be good again. They announced it's... The Rock would be the number one contender at the Rumble. Yeah. That was what he was there to do. Big matches, right. big turns. In the background, stylistically, things were changing. It really felt like, oh, this is, could be a new era, this, and then we are where we are now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's also weird to think that, it's, I mean, it's, I know it was a show with, like, a wedding, and, and you know, like you say, Damien Sandow getting his head kicked in. Still a show with about 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes of wrestling. Three <laughs> hours. You see where you're going there. There was a 16-second match. Brodus Clay beat Jack Swagger with Dude Love, Cameron, and Naomi. Uh, the opening match went four minutes and 18 seconds. <laughs> but like, yeah, that Raw 1000, I really enjoyed, particularly obviously with the cat list of Punk being like, I do enough of this. Mm. Like finally snapping and the, obviously how that built to, to the rumble, etc. Um, I was going to say, what are your, some more of your memories over the last 10 years of Monday Night Raw being three hours? I think I feel like we've maxed out there, Sige. <laughs> I'll tell you what one of mine is, right? Sadistically, you'll appreciate this. The Raw, where they were like, was it like 25 years of Raw? And they were like, let's get all the biggest fans in the, in the arena. <laughs> Raw they, got, they got to see Taker. Yeah, was it Raw 25? Yeah. Taker came out and mumbled some stuff. And then and then they were like, cool, what matches are we getting? Like, you, well, you get, you get, you know, DX and Scott Hall and people like that. They're going to bury the revival. <laughs> no, yeah, they're right. We're getting their head kicked in. And two sweets and people to be able to feel a bit better. And then that's it. <laughs> this might be my incredibly cynical perspective, um, but nothing. <laughs> Everything that was great, right, is in some way bittersweet or you have to really grab onto it being great because you can't just bask in it. Like, there are several things that happened that at the time were awesome and or acclaimed and that some people probably still remember quite fondly and might even revisit on occasion. Um for example, like all the Daniel Bryan stuff, people had to make it happen when they still gave a toss and they don't and they no longer have to because AEW is providing what that portion of the fan base wants. You go back and watch the week-to-week television, it's genuinely kind of soul-crushing and Stephanie McMahon and Triple H as part of the authority, what an absolutely ridiculous self-own. Big show giving Daniel Bryan, uh, given Daniel Bryan's yes chance Tells you all you need to know about the the philosophy at the rotten core of that company. I nearly walked away, and it, that like and is that close as you came. Like NXT came good right at the edge of 2013, 2014. I thought, well, I'll just keep watching that for a little bit then. 
and then the network launched, made it very easy to stay with WWE. But that that run, that post SummerSlam run, we talked about this just the other day, weren't we? It's the closest I've ever come. I was like, it was a live show, didn't you? I cannot. Yeah, yeah. That was around the time that my future brother-in-law, then he's married with my sister now, bought us tickets just to like try and earn some goodwill. And Brian was taken to the other town, and we got a big show. Randy Orton and he was like, "I'm going to kick Randy Orton's ass yes. for Daniel Bryan." Yes. Yeah, it was like, yes. This is. Like a disaster. Yeah. This is an absolute disaster. It was disgusting, and the very best part of it is pure Schadenfreude because Daniel Bryan showed them up at WrestleMania, no less. But like, so that the Daniel Bryan stuff was cursed, realistically, and it was oppressive week to week. And they can make fancy little video packages about it now that do not, in any way, shape, or form, reflect the actual experience of enduring it. Let's think of something else that Raw's done right until I get to my main point. Right, the Cesaro versus John Cena series. They were very well received, mm-hmm. right? What does a four and a quarter star or a four and a half star match mean now, in retrospect, given that AEW gives were one every single week, right? Mm-hmm. And where does Cesaro go after that? Nowhere. It's not Bret Hart, one, two, three kid, where one, two, three kid became this incredibly dependable mid-carder and a great worker as a result and had, for his size in the era in which he was a, a star, like an incredible run, right? Transformed the industries in some way. So that was effective. That had an imprint, a imprint on what followed. He revolutionized the path. Cesaro was just pushed for a week, had some great matches, but like it's absolute bare minimum stuff. Mm-hmm. And no one has the, um, uh, so many WWE fans have no imagination in their brains whatsoever. Cesaro could have been having four and a quarter star matches every single week. Every single week. What does a good Cesaro match ultimately mean? Nothing. It's almost a disgrace that that was all they could do with him. So how am I meant to like, Look back nostalgically <laughs> and f- with fondness at the those three great matches Cesaro had on Raw in ten years that were memorable. It's a disgrace. It's a dis- it's a disgrace. The scripted promos, the horrific, unchanging aesthetic, the spree of general managers just fitting into this putrid Vince Russo esque format without any of the perverse, compelling aspects of it. From twenty twelve to twenty twenty two which star defines Raw, which megastars have they created, who they really, really done a job with. Because the head of the table has chiefly, pun intended, sort of evolved and matured and been very well built over on SmackDown, like Raw, the flagship, can't even claim that. Mm. I know it's the same thing, but you know what I mean? You still have to watch these shows. Makes Rollins seem like a Wish.com Roman, doesn't it? Because yeah. that's who they've got. Like Seth Rollins, The Shield. The Shield, yeah. The Shield are amazing, right? The Shield are amazing. Also terrible in that Daniel Bryan, Triple H, oppressive 2013 period. The Shield were there as the heavies. Yeah. Even they were like, I, I kind of better see The Shield come out and beat him up again. I, I cannot watch this. Yeah. Like, And they were over as out and having class matches with the Rhodes family. That was all so good. And yet it, their involvement in the Bryan stuff was, was too much. And you would think that... All right, Stephanie McMahon has been an absolutely unbearable prick for the purpose of making you really want to get behind... Um, the wrestlers that she's putting the thumb on. And it's like a meta approach to creating stars, but we'll go with it because at least they're self-aware enough to do the storyline where they're admitting that they're bad for business. It's like, oh, but then they, they were because Cody Rhodes had this incredible breakthrough at Battleground and then they did nothing with him. <laughs> Daniel Bryan got over to a ridiculous level, like maybe even more than Punk after the pipe bomb because maybe that was too insider compared to Daniel Bryan who pretty clever at the broaden his act, emphasize the fire, his comeback spots. He had the crowd interaction. Um, you know, he was less internet darling than Punk was. He yeah. was, was. That's what's the tragedy. 
he nailed being a sports entertainer where Punk's thing was always, it was exhilarating at its best, but his thing was always, I hate this machine, right? And I'm going to rebel against this machine. This machine was never going to go, you know what, Punk, you're all right. <laughs> a little guy from Chicago is going to change the way we do everything. <laughs> never going to happen. At least Brian had the nous to be like, right, I'll just become the machine and I'll be the best version of myself within it. I'm not going to bury us. I'm going to be a comedy guy. This is just my way of doing it. They went, no, 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 piss off. Can you imagine how good he would have made? Uh, obviously, this is never really going to happen, especially not right now. Imagine how good he would have made uh, Ric Flair's last match. I've just thought about that. Like, he was the guy, wasn't he? Like, if you could have one person in one singles match against Ric Flair, that actually you would go, that might go all right. It's Brian, isn't yeah. it? I'm thinking of the Kamala he's ring the of honor match. Wrestler he's and a, the perfect he's, sports entertainer. Yeah, he's got the lot, isn't he? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk about some of the better memories uh, overall. <laughs> Amplet, please. Well, <laughs> So Sige, Sige's enjoyment of 2012, I don't have many fond memories from that period, truthfully, but I'd, I've always understood where you're coming from there. I have some for um, post-brand split 2016, for WWE in general, actually. I, I really liked the television, and I preferred SmackDown. We talked about this. They had to try. They needed a TV deal. It had been a recap show for years. It worked a dream. Got the biggest TV deal ever. But Raw's result, because they were trying on SmackDown, it very, very briefly created a sense, you could tell, from the wrestlers of competitiveness. Again, mm. um, Raw and SmackDown, but it felt certainly more on Raw, was infused with all my favourite NXT wrestlers. And it was making it look like this new system was going to work. I'd fallen in love with all these wrestlers over two years. I'd seen them progress. Triple H had been quite canny with the people he'd bought in from Independence or from New Japan or whatever, and he'd assembled this dream roster. And then either you'd seen the likes of a Bailey or a Sasha grow within the system, or the likes of a Finn Balor prove that he could be in the system. Mm. And it all works, and it was like this really great melting pot. And then loads of them were transferred to Raw because of the need due to the brand split, right? Both defined rosters again. And I was thinking, well, this is going to be great. NXT's already got the next line coming in, and this golden era class are suddenly all over television. Finn Balor's 
beating Roman Reigns in that four-way match. That was great, yeah. He, he ought to beat Big Cass in it <coughs> as well. And Big Cass, like, couldn't go to the level of being in the main event, but it was cool to see a guy I loved being put in a four-way and then both getting, like, the better of Roman Reigns. Uh, Kevin Owens wins the Universal oh. Championship as a result of, like, that's the guy they go to when Balor gets injured. So that's, like, two in a row where you think, ah, like, I wouldn't have, I'd have picked Rollins in both, or Reigns in both cases there, and this is what they've done instead. And it's these little, you know, it's a bit like the Brian thing. You get these little crumbs of comfort or like you see these little glimmers of light and then it's just gradually, it wears away at you. But Festival for, of friendship. Well, this is it. For 2016, Raw, I love this and I know it wasn't for everybody, but Raw was dominated by the Owens-Jericho story because Owens was universal champion and because they were so charismatic together, they, they sort of justified all the screen time and the segments were better than they had any right to be. They mocked the process. If you remember the stuff they did with Tom Phillips, it was always them taking the piss out of my guests at this time. We see a million of these every week. What's the name of the, uh, the Irish guy they've got on Raw now? Oh, uh, one second, I'll just Google it, actually. God, Patrick! That's him. Like, you doing that is the most memorable bit of every Karen Patrick interview ever. Yeah, Tom Phillips, Owens and Jericho were something to go, were like a destination yeah. every week, you know? And, like, that, it's subjective, but a lot of that stuff was for me. Braun had that incredible rise where it honestly felt like they were making, we used to talk about this now, early days first working together, the perfect hybrid of a Vince McMahon and internet wrestler. Like, yeah. because you couldn't not pop at the things Braun did. He's also 100 foot tall and massive. So it's like, there's the guy. There's the guy. And he was even going over Roman Reigns consistently. So clearly they had faith. In it. There was just a lot of a sense of, wow, Triple H has changed things internally and this is going to work. And then it just stopped. It just stopped again. It always stops. Two questions here, right? Is there literally anything they've done that's left a lasting impression that doesn't isn't wrapped around this really bittersweet memory of it all going wrong and do the amount of bittersweet failures and like oh that was good but i can't possibly watch it again is this great thing like you can go back right and watch bret hart beat mr perfect at SummerSlam all over again because the match is great it's a lovely comforting glow of nostalgia and a certain more innocent easy time in your life and then it's not really bittersweet because Bret Hart went on to forge one of the most legendary wrestling careers of all time subsequent to that. You can't go back and watch Kevin Owens win the Universal title via, like, stupid Triple H stuff, right? You can't go back and watch the Braun stuff, one, because he's a chud, and (laughs) two, because it just never amounted to anything meaningful. They're just little, almost cruel aberrations of a broken system that only serve you to remind you of how broken the system is. And then when you try and re-engage um, with that system this week, next week, or the week after, literally everything you watch, literally everything you watch is tinged with the knowledge, the bitter, multifarious experience of being told not never to invest again. Oh, that one, don't bother investing in that. Why can I therefore invest in anything in this sludge, this oppressive, meaningless nihilism taints every single second of that broadcast for everything we've just said and Zack Ryder. There's a million million things. I've got one as an answer to Cedric's question there, and yet even that comes with the biggest, boldest asterisks ever. I would argue genuinely from that period I was just describing, 2016, that the hot potato... Like, fabulous match hot potato series between Charlotte and Sasha Banks. Yeah. Genuinely innovated uh, parity between men and women on Monday Night Raw. Tons of main events, loads of matches, high-quality matches that you can rewatch, and it created this idea instantly, right, the women's revolution might be a brand. This might, Thanks, all, this might all be, yeah, this might all be, like, company-mandated PR, 
But ultimately, what they've done is they've proven that this actually can be workable, and now we get, what, 10 of the last 12 main events that were women. Like, all of that has to start somewhere, and I think it started with them, dot, dot, dot. But look where we're at with Sasha Banks now. Yeah. Like, she's still never given what she should be given in There's spite of all of that. always something. I still remember, what I was just thinking then, like, what's some of the moments, like, akin to Kevin Owens winning the world title, or Festival of Friendship obviously popped straight oh, into my Jericho head. Jericho thought like of that by the end. He bounced. Yeah. Because he felt disrespected mm. by the terrible... Where can I go where I can do more merit- stuff like that? Yeah, like the terrible lack of meritocracy caused Chris Jericho, of all people, to jump. <laughs> one of my one of my memories of being like, wow, I can't believe this has happened for my sins was Shane McMahon returning when they were like, we're going to give an award to you someone. And they like, like 20,000 people that bought tickets to WrestleMania? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hated it from day one. Yeah, you, you're, you're correct, as always. It's I was like, this is the best. And then I look back now and I was like, what are you thinking? I want to talk quickly, and we'll, then we'll move on and talk. Maybe, if you've got any more memories, we can mention them. We want to talk looking forward in a minute about the roar that, that broke <laughs> about the roar that broke me. Like, I'm, I was a WWE mark, I feel like, when I started for What Culture. Like, I tried to be objective, but, like, in, internally, I was always like, come on, WWE, and I'd read stuff that you guys had written that far smarter than what I could come up with, but I'd always be like, like, "Mm, I mean, we all know WWE's the best, so (laughs) I don't know what this New Japan lock is that Sidge is going on about, but when they come to WWE, like, when they get AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, they'll be good, they'll be good in WWE, because I don't know what the hell this is, right? The Monday following the first WrestleMania I knew Sidgwick, we were in work together, and I was just like, I'd read loads on the internet, and we had, like, other colleagues that maybe were disagreeing, and I said, Sidge was like, that Shane McMahon AJ Styles match was an absolute fucking disgrace, wasn't it? And he was like, yeah, it was. It totally was. And people were abs- doing backflips worse than Shane's himself for this thing. <laughs> I was like, that was a, a living nightmare. What the hell were we doing? Like, why was AJ Styles forced to be that guy and like Shane be the mirror man? And everybody was just going ape for it on Twitter. It was the greatest yeah. thing since sliced bread. I was like, this was terrible, right? This like, was a disgrace to <laughs> the idea of being an internationally honed, in, like, well-traveled, like, sharp incredibly knowledgeable professional wrestler if you can just fake it. <laughs> yeah. It's all right for Bad Bunny to do a destroyer. Yes. It's all right for a 20-minute match. Jay McMahon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I saw, you know, I'm just going to send this to you, and I thought, oh, no, he's probably, he might be having a nice time, so I don't want to wind him up. I saw another one of when those. When am I ever? <laughs> I saw another one of those. You know, we did the... Don't, not even on Wednesdays anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we saw one of those, like, oh, do you remember the Raw 2011 theme? What a banger, right? <laughs> there was another one of them recently that was like... People who really don't put enough respect on the whole AJ Styles Shane McMahon feud, and I was like, "What?" And there was just obviously just the image of him doing a backflip, and people were like, "Well, there was the match." Yeah, and guy. someone like getting a head put in a, uh, getting a head put through a window. There's an engagement farmer, right? I think he's called Alistair Summick on Twitter, right? He's like the worst of the worst. And my God, he tweeted. This is a complete tangent, by the way. He tweeted the other day. We don't talk enough about how shredded Michael Cole is. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. Why on earth would I give a toss about what a commentator's physique looks like? Why, what tangible benefit to his work does that possibly give him? Oh. He's, he likes to look in shape in his personal life. Uh, <laughs> it's not that noise for the soundboard next week. It's not like, you know, oh, Jesus Christ, like Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah. Like, yes. look at how sculpted and defined and ripped he's got, like, since Grand Slam last year. That has immeasurably enhanced his work, his profile. Look how great he's doing in AEW, right? 
That's what you should be putting over. And even then you shouldn't because it's hack engagement farming nonsense. Oh, Michael Cole's rip, pass it on. <laughs> we need to talk about how good a job powerhouse officer does his taxes when he's at home at the weekend. Yes. <laughs> so I'd been all what culture just under two years <laughs> when, for Kane, it's May 19th. For me, it's May 6th, 2019. Uh, a, a, a day that we're living in for me, a, a raw, it was May 7th probably, was, was when I came into work. Okay, and it's uh, January 6th. <laughs> <laughs> a roar that just straight broke me, where I came in, and I, I, I can't remember the, what we, you know, whether we did the raw, raw reviews at that time or whatever. I think, I think we had got the ball rolling with that and stuff now. But I remember I was ranting to you, and I was ranting to, to, to Andy, and I was probably, I think I was ranting to our boss about it as well, and, and Phil maybe, or our boss, I can't remember who exactly, Someone said you should just go into the other into our little studio that we had, turn the camera on, and say what you're saying now, and see what happens. Because it just broke me. Uh, and the video's still out there. It's called like the worst raw ever. And again, this is I was a WWE mark. I always gave him a pass. I always said like people need to put some more respect on Shane McMahon's wrestling game. You know, he got he's got some he's put some work well, in. Like now when Kool Aid Man boots the door up and him on best show ever again last night, boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the- <laughs> But like three times a fucking week. Came, it, that was just to re- refresh your mind. You probably remember it. Vince McMahon instigates the wild, wild card rule because they're like, oh, bollocks, no one's watching. So let's just have everyone show up on all the shows. Uh, Baron Corbin, who'd been blamed previously for no one watching uh, WWE anymore. And they said, we can listen to your fans. That's gone well. Um, he pinned the world champion, Seth Rollins, in a tag match. Um, the Viking Raiders beat the tag champs in like their third week with the company. Um... Set, uh, uh, Shane and Elias came in and beat up Roman Reigns when he was facing Drew McIntyre. That's a good match. They should do that again. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Uh, and the wildcard rule had already been overruled. Like, it was like three, wasn't it, initially? Because they had Kofi and, and Brian. strolling around the ring going, look at me, I'm a genius. And <laughs> he was like, you have three people. And then immediately, I think, four turned up. Yeah. Which we were like, Lars like, turned up and he was like number five at this and point. He went, and he went, I'm, ex- like, oh, I'm, I'm scared of you. He so. said, yeah, but he also said, right, we're expanding into four at the point where they'd already had six people turn up. <laughs> it was just absolutely preposterous and infamous. And the main event, by the way, Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. So that'll get blamed on them when this did a terrible number. But uh, it was the UC Hot one. UC Hot will live with me forever. I wonder what um, they're all up to nowadays. Yeah. One of my favorite bits of writing, just a bit of an inside baseball here. One of my favorite insights I've ever come up with, right, was the absolute stark difference between Prime NXT, which I know I take the piss out of NXT, but Prime NXT was great, yeah. right? Prime NXT in the main roster, right? There are two different ways to travel across the ring, okay? In NXT, um, Dax Harwood, mm-hmm. Scott Dawson, yeah. will outwit the baby faces. Such an incredibly creative cutoff that they are not idiots for not seeing it coming by crawling the breadth of the ring by going from curtain to curtain, skirt to skirt, yeah, yeah. and then taking off um, Jason Jordan's feet on the apron, right? That's how you move across the ring as a strategic Southern-style tag team wrestler in NXT. On the main roster, you move across the ring, right, via your anus <laughs> because it is burning because some pranksters have put something on your arsehole. And water. Topical cream. Water activated it even more. Don't That's, forget. Uh, yeah. Nothing broke me before I worked here. I was already broken. Mm-hmm. The one that pissed me off the most, I don't get pissed off anymore. Like, you know, yeah. I, I just don't. 
nothing angers me. I get angry about things. Washes like over you, yeah. Yeah, I get angry of like, like the barbed wire everywhere match. I got angry because I, I I've got expectations for this company that don't for WWE anymore. The thing that pissed me off the most, even though I should have seen it coming a mile away, was Raw twenty five. Same. The revival, and I remember I wrote an editorial that very day, the Tuesday after. Why WWE just the revival last night? Full of like usual talking points. They hate Southern Style Tag Team Wrestling. They don't like people with those physiques. Um, everything that you project onto WWE, they are not interested in. This is yet another um, repeat of that sort of mm-hmm. act. And the comment section was like when we used to have a comment section on the, uh, the Rock Culture site. It was the longest one ever. I remember cynical twat. Don't dare say this. They're getting the rub off Triple H. They wouldn't. <laughs> like Damien Sand, I remember it. Rubbing his headline, WrestleMania 32 or whatever just happened. He didn't. He didn't. He was gone by then. WrestleMania 33 was gone. G O O N N E. Some rub, some rub, anti rub. I was like, they're broken now. I don't care what they do next. You know what? They might have a precious reign with the titles. Nothing. FTRKO were good, like, actually, F- pass it on. I like, remember that was, that was all right for a couple of weeks. Primo's like the fifth longest reigning tag team champion <laughs> in the 21st century. And they repackaged him twice subsequently into a matador and a timeshare salesman because they thought he was so goddamn boring. And yet, if you look at the Wikipedia, he's like the fifth longest reigning tag team title of like the 21st century. It's almost as if Vince just gives these props and trinkets to people who just go and do things because it's just stupid rubbish. Content. They were going to dress them as jesters, weren't they, when they came back? That was, I remember the images that we've all seen. Oh, the revival. That was a revival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, let's try and wrap this up. Um, looking to the future, Michael <laughs> Hamflet. Will things improve? And um, what do you make of Raw potentially going TV 14? Uh, look, um, um, it's... WWE could do this if they want to, and they would then be asking the network for forgiveness rather than permission. This is yeah, it's up to them to establish what they are. Yeah, like let's not pretend that like the network have put the thumb on them. You know, there was sponsorship deals worth getting at the time. We remember the Mattel one being this thing when like when the PGA first came in, it was like, well, Mattel are paying more than anything. It was Mattel's like, to blame, <laughs> and that first... only the SmackDown face <laughs> could collide with the Mattel the logo. logo. And then everything would be fine again, you <laughs> stupid like, arseholes. Vince has thrashed. Do you not get it? We're just making these villains of these corporate overlords. And what nobody realized was like, well, hang on. If Mattel's money is worth that much to me, surely that's the method they'll follow going forward. And they have. And now our cash means now because it represents now on the balance sheet compared to all the rest of it. So I wouldn't say that um, there's going to be any great philosophical shift with the TV 14. I think we'll get a few. Look, we get a few more swears and chair shots around WrestleMania season anyway. Like, you can see the change happening. Because yeah, there's always it. like a shh. Yeah. Like a shh. Making your life a bit easier today. Thank you. It's like, it's always, it's always there. Did with, uh, was it Lashley and Braun? Where they got, like, Corey Graves was clearly been told, you get one shh. Oh, yeah. They went through went the stage. As if that, holy sh- as yeah, if that hadn't so. happened probably six times in the last year. It just I'll so give you they went through the barricade. I'll give you one more fun computer. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's been a highlight of the last ten years. The Vince backstage segments with Theory have been really good fun. Expect the unexpected. You're gonna be on WrestleMania, yeah. I also Genuinely, I don't think that they're as the three hour roars have made is made WWE like you can't I don't think you can rewatch it anymore. Like I used to I rewatched Raw for a long period as like a background thing I had. This pre network where like your own WWE network amounted to one of them 
50 disc CD holders. Oh, and yeah. They had like all that, like old episodes raw, and I would just leave them on in the background as TV. Again, a lot of this is before I had kids and had the time to watch this sort of thing. Over and over and over, loads and loads of wrestling. Could he spend it well? I would never. <laughs> they were the best goddamn years of my life as well. Like the. <laughs> Wouldn't take, a, wouldn't take a second of it back, unlike the last 10 years. So, Jesus, mate. I love the boys. I really do. Um, <laughs> anyway, you were saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got lost there. No, it was um, just that I, don't, I think it's impenetrable to rewatch now. You wouldn't yeah. ever oh, sit God, through right. one of these three hour rolls again. about the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's what I was, the point I was trying to make was, is that Raw could become, say, four hours and five hours. But at this point, the three-hour Raw... Many ideas. The three, well, Nick Khan wants to do it, you know. Yeah. The three-hour Raw allowed them to make that final step into content production. So now if it gets longer and longer and longer and longer, it'll not feel any different. Yes, it'll it just, will. It'll just, it'll just keep... Even worse. It'll just, they'll just be longer highlight packages yeah. or whatever. You know, they haven't put any extra effort in between two and three that they've just normalised three hours. What do you watch? That's like a TV show. That is, Irishman. That is three hours long in yeah. one block. Like you pick a, a long film on Netflix. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't watch a three-hour film. Exactly, and it's going to come in less than the weekly episode of Raw. They've they've broke that seal, and I think that's what the three... Like two hours, for some reason, was this magical number. And Dynamite proves this now. Two hours is like... Half this, the time. <laughs> this, this allotted time that doesn't, as a result, feel as much like churn. Yeah. Three does, and they've gone past... Like plaster's ripped off, so you really could get longer, and you wouldn't see this... You wouldn't, you wouldn't see it get any better, but I genuinely don't think it'd get much worse. I think it'll get worse because there'd be more of it. <laughs> it's like eating like, um, like say if you've got like three, I don't like a fresh tomato, you know. Right. Still don't like it. Cherry like, or normal? I don't like any tomato. Okay. I like tomato-derived sauces. Yeah. Mm. But a fresh tomato, I don't like those uh, pulps. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. If I had three tomatoes to eat... I don't know why, but if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> and then you give us six. I'm like, this is just more disgusting to me. <laughs> like, so got yes, to three tomatoes because they're red. What about the blue food? It's like that. The one time a year with the two foods come together. I would have to I'd have to get up even earlier. I'd be more irritable and yeah. tired. Ask me about the future of the, the show. What do you reckon <laughs> about? you lining up four tomatoes for a podcast. <laughs> well, this is the show now. Well, right there. <laughs> Five o'clock in the morning. Oh, God, I'm going to wake the kids up eating my tomatoes. <laughs> it's right. But remind me for the Raw Review next week. food today, like, Yeah. Man. For the Raw Review next week, because we're going to be missing Sid for a couple of weeks, I'm going to draw a face on a tomato. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you reckon the future holds? Hold it up to your, next, up to your head and go, hey, Sid, what did you think of Raw this week? I thought it was great. <laughs> Thanks, Tomato Sid. <laughs> uh, what do you think about Raw going TV 14 and, and things improving? The mega fans will forgive this tweet, right? And you're going to have to forgive me for swearing. Yeah, I But everyone's like, all right, okay, well, uh, Austin's coming back. Uh, the, the attitude here is coming back. Uh, the creativity is coming back. Like the, 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 just, you know, the lack of worm, worm brains is coming back. Um, so, rejoice. <laughs> TV14, guys. It's going to be great. Beer trucks, tits, swearing, CTE. God, I've missed it. <laughs> That's not what's going to happen, dickheads. What's going to happen is that the terrible stuff you see on Raw is going to have the word shit next to it. <laughs> <laughs> so in my scenario, uh, you know how Theory and Lashley are like mates? Uh, Riddle. Riddle and Lashley are mates now. I'm having a bit of a bloody conflict with uh, Theory and Seth freaking Rollins, right? What's going to happen now is because they're allowed to say shit. Yeah. Um, Riddle... 
who's a stoner, he's going to like eat loads of pizza, right? Uh, stoner Reddit. <laughs> and he's going to like get the munchies, right? He's going to eat loads of pizza. Loads and loads of pizza. Greasy, cheesy pizza. I right? pack it. And oh. he's going to like get. Uh, and you're gonna get like that incredibly broad sound effect of like <laughs> the gurgle, and yeah. Vince is gonna be going, <laughs> pal. and it's gonna be going, <laughs> funny. And uh, then Riddle is going to go, oh, "Sorry, Bobby, I had the munchies real bad, and I ate a lot of pizza, and now I gotta take a shit, <laughs> and I can't make the match. Sorry, bro." And then he's gonna like go to the toilet, and you're gonna hear loads of like. Poo noises. Michael Cole. I was talking to Riddle backstage earlier. He told me he himself. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to hear Corey Graves go, uh, oh, can Lashley be two guys all at once? Find out next. As Raw rolls on. Finally, could SmackDown go to three hours? <laughs> yeah. Rampage could go to two. Like, there's always more. <laughs> this is not like... Don't yeah, want to... When they did the Grand Slam special rampage, I was <laughs> like, uh, don't please. <laughs> no. The rights fees are this year, and, like, you know, we're going to be... Find out within sort of the next six to 12 months what the, f- the next four or five years of wrestling is going to look like. Yes, all of this is possible. There was once never a time where a wrestling show could be paid... Like, a company could be paid a billion dollars for a wrestling yeah. show and look at what they're paying for. Well... Tell us your memories of the last 10 years of <laughs> three hours of Raw. Oh, sorry, three hours of... Monday Night Raw! I had to watch a compilation of her doing that to find she the best. The first one. Yeah, she just took the first one. No, she really, that was a real visceral, because the, right. oh, the others had too much booing in it, so like, <laughs> you couldn't really make it out. Once more, and then never again, I'll delete it from the well, soundboard. No, because she'll probably come back. Not from the soundboard, she won't. Monday Night Raw! I need a palate cleanser. A bunch of people have just paid like 50 quid and upwards for a ticket just like within the first five minutes going, oh, thanks, I hate it. <laughs> you go and watch the football and your team can see in the first minute. Oh, great. It's another, it's another trip to Raw. Anyway, let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. What I say, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M Sidgwick who wrote a book about a far better show, AEW, uh, which you can get on Amazon, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, right now. You can follow me on Twitter, at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. But this has been Get the Table. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 